Hello everyone, welcome back to day two of our week devoted to Daniel's 70th week. This is the Spirit of Prophecy podcast and we always appreciate you joining us. Got a lot I want to cover today, very important subject. So last week we kind of just cast a lot of doubt on the classic um, Daniel's 70th week theories that are out there. We trashed the charts a little bit and uh, just kind of showed some of the history showing that uh, historically most people believed that the Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is about Jesus, not the Antichrist. And so this time what we're going to do, we are going to go through Daniel chapter 9 and we're going to talk about something very important and that is the transgression of desolation or the desolations of of Jerusalem. This is a very important prophecy that we need to understand in order to fully grasp what is going on in Daniel chapter 9. And understand, Daniel 9, 1 through 23 sets us up for verses 24 through 27, which is where most people start. That is not what we are going to do. We are going to go through the whole chapter and I believe when we do this, it's going to give us a lot of clarity. Now, I do want to start out, too, by saying this. Um, these are pre-recorded, and I try to stay ahead. But I'm going to hold off as long as I can on doing the fifth and the final episode. What I would like to do in the final episode is I would like to hear any objections that people have to some of the things I'm saying. So uh, in the comments, if you want to leave a comment saying this doesn't seem right based on whatever, listen, I, I don't want to leave any stone unturned. I think this, uh, what I believe about this holds up to any scrutiny. And so leave questions, comments, objections uh, in the comments. If you want to do it privately, you can email me at the spirit of prophecy 1611 at gmail.com. And I would like to address those things. And so, um, the but uh, get those questions in quick because again I have to stay ahead of these things they are pre recorded but uh, any of those we can get in on these early episodes will be really important I will hold off as long as I can uh, on recording the final episode so I can deal with questions another thing I could possibly do um, I could potentially do a live episode maybe I'll do a live episode. Um, but I want to at least have some questions already ready to go uh, just in case we don't have a huge live or we're still building the live audience at this point. So that's a possibility. Stay tuned for that. But either way, um, hopefully the questions will be answered uh, as we go through these things. So here we go. Daniel chapter nine. We are going to talk about the desolations of. Of Jerusalem are the desolations of Jerusalem the exact same thing as the abomination of desolation we don't see the term abomination of desolation until we get to the Olivet Discourse Jesus refers to that twice or you know it's the same time but different accounts um, where he calls it the abomination of desolation and we read about the transgression of desolation is that the exact same thing or and is the abomination of desolation just part of it or is it just referring to one thing, one event in the midst of the week? Well, I think as we read all of Daniel 9, and it really helps to, we can't spend forever on this, if you go through Daniel chapter 8, which we probably will make some references to Daniel chapter 8. I believe that's 
also very important understanding this. So in verse one, and I've done a video similar to this on my uh, main YouTube channel uh, before. I'd encourage you to go and listen to that one about who the covenant confirmer is. And I kind of use a similar method that I'm going to use now uh, to prove what I believe about Daniel 9 as context. So verse 1 says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Who is the he there? Without a doubt, the he is God. He is going to accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. I don't think anybody would dispute that. And this is, at, and notice Daniel, he was brought into captivity in the beginning, uh, during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. We read about that in Daniel chapter 1. So this is 70 years later. We're in the first year of Darius, after the Medes and Persians took over. It's only it's, So the 70 years are about to be fulfilled during this time. So Daniel is an old man during this story. And he understands through the reading of books. We know he was reading Jeremiah. That that's how he understood. He specifically mentions Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah prophesied about the 70-year captivity, and Daniel, somehow through reading this, understood that there were going to be 70 years or 70 weeks of desolation that he, God, brings on Israel. God is the one punishing Israel for breaking his covenant. Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord, God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Who's the him there that's talking about God? He's the one that keeps the covenant. We have a reference to a covenant here. This is the covenant that he refers to later on in Daniel chapter 9. We do not have any mention in here of an antichrist covenant. This is the, the the covenant that he speaks of later is the same covenant he's speaking of in the beginning of the chapter. He says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. So Daniel, understandably, he is seeking mercy from God for Jerusalem's sake because God is coming after Jerusalem. Jerusalem is being punished. The city, the buildings, these things were very important to them. They had been destroyed. They the, the land lay desolate. This was a shameful thing for Israel. It's kind of foreign to us because we don't have a continuing city. We don't have, you know, we uh, you know, we don't have these earthly things like they have. We have spiritual things. So these are not, this is a little foreign to us, but this was a big deal for them. He said in verse 6, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, they have trespassed against thee. Daniel is acknowledging they, they're getting what they deserve. This is their fault. He's confessing sins, which is very important, and asking for mercy. That's a good thing to do. 
O Lord, to us belong, or, or, that verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before by his servants of prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. They sinned against God. And so what God had written an oath, a promise that he made in the law of Moses had come upon them. It had come to pass. What was this oath? In Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, we're not going to read all of it. It's a long passage. We'll hit a few highlights. It shall come to pass in verse 1 that thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field. And he goes on and on about all the areas where they, where they will be blessed if they obey the Lord. But what if they don't obey the Lord? Verse 15, but it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Curse shalt thou be in the city. Curse shalt thou be in the field. He goes on and on with all these curses, errors, they'll be cursed. And then watch this. This is important because people, they'll go to the end of Daniel 9, where it looks like bad stuff is happening to Jerusalem, and it is, and they associate it with the Antichrist. And like, how dare you say the Antichrist is doing this? Um, Daniel said it was the Messiah that was doing these things. It says, you know, God, now does God use bad men sometimes to judge Israel and punish his people? Yes, we see examples of that. We're going to see it here in a little bit. But don't get mad when I say that God is doing these things to Jerusalem because in Deuteronomy 28.35, which is what Moses or uh, what Daniel referred to, says the Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot to the top of thy head. The Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known and there shalt thou serve other gods Wood and stone. That is exactly what happened to him. This is what had come to pass. And guess who did it to him? The Lord did it to them. Verse 49. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. And he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land until thou be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind, or flocks, or of thy sheep, until he have destroyed thee. Says the Lord's going to do that, and he's going to use a nation of fierce countenance. So yes, it was the Babylonians that did this, but it was also the Lord that did this. And he's already established this. So, you know, understand, there is zero inconsistency with how I'm going to interpret verses 24 through 27. These things had already happened. Deuteronomy 27, verse 6 says, And now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, 
my servant. Y'all see what God called Nebuchadnezzar? My servant. Yes, he was a wicked king. Yes, what he did was really bad to Jerusalem, but it was God's judgment on them. He was doing what God wanted to do because he was punishing Israel, and God referred to him as my servant. So keep that in mind. Verse 12, back to Daniel 9, says, And he, God, hath confirmed his words, and he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us great evil, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. So Daniel, he understands God did exactly what he said he was going to do. But Daniel also understood that there was still more judgment to come. And and Daniel is acknowledging their sin. Daniel is asking God to not do what he said he would do. He's asking for mercy. It's never wrong to ask for mercy. It's a very good idea to ask for mercy. But these those prayers don't always get answered. And we're going to see this prayer does not get answered the way Daniel wanted it answered. So verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet we made not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore, hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. Who did it? The Lord. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and hast gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name, For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousnesses, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Folks, this is an impressive prayer right here. Daniel has the same attitude towards Jerusalem as the apostle Paul did which we will talk about Romans 11 uh, for sure one of these days. We don't understand the love these people had for their city, for their nation. They were under a different system. There were things that were different under the old covenant, and they loved their city, and they did not want to see these things happen to them. Daniel acknowledges we deserved it. Daniel acknowledges this is what you said you would do. But he's asking God for mercy. Now, when you hear a prayer like that, you're like, man, I mean, this is Daniel. God's certainly going to answer this prayer. But remember, I forgot where it was. It's mentioned several times where God kept saying, though, Noah, Daniel, and Job were there. I wouldn't spare. You know, I, I wouldn't turn my judgment away. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job, three special guys. You know, that why God bring those three men up? Because these were guys that had special influence with them. 
And Daniel clearly has special influence with God. We know from God's word, he wants to answer prayers. He wants to. But understand, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he can't. This prayer that Daniel is praying for God to turn away his the judgment from Jerusalem, this prayer is not going to be answered. Not like Daniel wants. He's going to get an answer, but the answer is going to be no. And let's keep reading verse 20. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now, here's what I believe God's doing right here. First off, I believe Daniel was a special man for many reasons. I mean, he just said, thou art greatly beloved. I I believe God sent an angel, one, because God wants Daniel to pin down some things that that were the word of God. That was one of the reasons God sent. Gabriel. But I think too, God is doing this for a personal reason for Daniel, because it's like God didn't, you know, sometimes we pray for things, you know, we pray for God to do certain things and God says no, but he doesn't directly tell us. We just figure out, says no, when the prayer doesn't get answered the way we want it to. And that's always disappointing and it's tough. And, you know, we need to deal with it. We need to have faith and trust God either way. He knows best, but God did something very special for Daniel here. And when God is not going to answer his prayer, when God's going to give him some bad news, he sends an angel. So God's doing something very special for Daniel here. God sends an angel, one, I believe, because, again, he is uh, pinning down the word of God. But God wanted Daniel to just hear directly from one of his messengers, one of his chief messengers, Gabriel, you know, that. He's not going to answer this prayer. He didn't. He wasn't going to leave him hanging and wondering, but he was going to let him know what was going on. And so the angel Gabriel comes and says, Hey, at the beginning of the commandment, I came forth and I am now come to show thee for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. And what we're seeing in this next part is Gabriel is basically telling Daniel, your prayer is not going to get answered. And he's showing him exactly what's to come because verse 24 says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgressions transgression to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy he said 70 weeks are determined or they are decreed. These things are not going away. These 70 weeks are something that's going to be on thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression or the transgression of desolation by the prince. Prince, I believe that uh, it was referred to in Daniel chapter eight. This is where I think we need to go back and look at Daniel chapter eight. But basically... Gabriel is telling Daniel, you've got 490 years more of judgment coming. 490 years. And isn't that interesting too? Because they had 70 years of captivity because they violated 
the Sabbath year of letting the land rest 70 times, which means they had been in the land for 490 years. They get taken captive for 70 years, and now they're going to get be back in the land for another 490 years until uh, you know the Messiah, the Prince, comes. So it's kind of interesting how God did that. But uh, let's look at Daniel chapter 8, verse 11. And I believe Daniel 8, okay, first off, Daniel 8 is for sure prophetic. We talked about this uh, when we talked about the restrainer uh, from 2 Thessalonians 2. The Apostle Paul is without a doubt using language like we see in Daniel, in, in the book of Daniel, uh, when it's talking about the man of sin magnifying himself above all that is called God and all those things. There's definitely something prophetic that was future. Jesus said, when ye see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, obviously he was talking about something future. But understand too, and everyone will agree with this, in Daniel, many of the things that it prophesies about were things in that day, or, or not in, you know, or in the near future for them. Things that happened during the Greek empire, where they went and desecrated the temple. And they had a period of time of cleansing for the temple. You can read about these things in First and Second Maccabees. In fact, uh, whenever people talk about Hanukkah, okay, which uh, came from the Talmud, but the Bible actually refers to in the New Testament the Feast of Dedication, that Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. And people will tell you that that is Hanukkah. Now, understand the... Story of Hanukkah is nowhere in the Apocrypha, but the origins of the Feast of the Dedication are. There's no miracle with the menorah in the Maccabees. It's not there. The stories about everything that happened there, you know, uh, of the Feast of Dedication are there, but that particular story is not there. That came from the Talmud later. But understand, after the Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple, they did have a period of time after they got control of the temple again where they had to have a time of cleansing of that temple before they could start using it again and understand that happened. What we are seeing here is without a doubt a example of a dual fulfillment of prophecy because of the fact you, know, you can read historically where these very things took place. It says, yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host and by him... The daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, uh, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So we have the twenty-three hundred days that are mentioned right there. And a lot of people try to put those twenty-three hundred days into Daniel's seventieth week. No, this was something that happened back during the time of the Greek Empire. There, there, there's no doubt about that. You can read the story where all these things happen. What was going on? Desolations were taking place in Jerusalem. So even though Israel gets restored back to their land, 
shortly after uh, this event in Daniel chapter 9, they had problems with, with the Greeks. Later, they had problems with the Romans. They were constantly dealing with problems, and Israel just did a horrible job. I mean, Israel themselves, they they committed a bunch of abominations historically when it came to the things of the temple. They did a terrible job. Even when Jesus came at his triumphal entry, what they were doing was against God's law. And Jesus is driving people out of there. He's and, And what did he say after he went in there on this triumphal entry? Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So uh, these, it's important to understand that the transgression of desolation and the desolation of Jerusalem, everybody wants to associate it with a single event, the abomination of desolation, where a man of sin is revealed and declares himself to be God. And while there's without a doubt, you know, these things are foreshadowing that single event, the desolations of Jerusalem overall are a reference to just 490 years of desolations that that city was under and that they dealt with. But everybody, they see that word desolation and they put it in a single event in the midst of Daniel's 70th week. That's wrong. What he's talking about here in Daniel 8 is a part of the judgment that's being referred to here in Daniel 9 because a bunch of bad stuff was going to be happening to Jerusalem. So the desolation of Jerusalem, this is this is a reference to just Gentiles, overrunning it, overtaking it, it, the temple being desecrated. I mean, just one bad thing after another. And understand too, Jerusalem, they never had, they never received full freedom again because even though they were back in their land, they were under the Medes and Persians and then they were under the Greek empire. And even during the time of Christ, they were under the Roman empire. And so um, it's important to understand that ultimately Daniel 9, while everybody wants to talk about one week, we need to understand, no, the 490 years, the 70 weeks, are about judgment on the city, about desolations in the city and in specifically the temple. One bad thing after another was going to be happening to that city, to those people, and to that temple for 490 years. And let me tell you, they had a rough history going all the way up to the time of Christ and it got even worse after the time of Christ when they rejected the Messiah. So it's very important that that we understand exactly what this is about. So when he says in verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And 49 years later is when Cyrus commissioned them to go rebuild Jerusalem. And we read about these things in Ezra and Nehemiah. And I believe that's why there's kind of the division that you see right there. And then you have, an because there was a period of time after they had went there and started doing the work, they went and they got grief uh, you know, from the enemies. You had the stories of Sam Bount and Tobiah and all these people saying that they couldn't work. But then finally... Haggai and Zechariah, God stirs them up to go and tell the people it's time to get back to work. Now, I don't know how long of a time period it was. I'm not positive if you can figure this out or can't figure it out from the Bible. Um, But there could have been there could have been a gap between the seven weeks and the 62 weeks because there was a period of time where they kind of ceased the work. I don't know how long that was. 
if, when we get into timelines like that, we're kind of dependent on history in a lot of ways. And everybody just kind of makes their timeline fit whatever their interpretation of these things are. There could have been a gap. It wouldn't have been a big one, but there could have been a gap. Uh, most people think it was continuous. It very well may could have too. I'm just saying I believe the reason for the separation between the 70 weeks and the 62 weeks is because you do you have a major decree uh, from Cyrus originally, but then later you have another decree after people had challenged them saying they weren't supposed to do the work where they found out that sure enough, Cyrus did decree this and then they allowed them, they were able to go back to work with the full support of the world government at that time and even some funding too. And it's a great story in Ezra and Nehemiah when we read about all those things. But then we've got one week left. Okay, And that one week, I, b- I believe the 69 weeks go up to Messiah the Prince. And so, and, and we'll say, we'll go, we're going to go in majorly into detail in verse 24 uh, through 27 in the next video. Right now, I'm just kind of giving you a general overview because I don't want to leave you hanging too much. But it says, and he, the Messiah, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. What covenant? I believe the covenant he referred to back earlier in the chapter. The covenant, too, that Jeremiah spoke of. Jeremiah wrote of a new covenant that he was going to make with the house of Israel. And so it says, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, what people do is they'll accuse you of saying, well, you're saying Jesus commits the abomination of desolation. No, I'm saying that Jesus, the Messiah, he finishes the sacrifices. He's going to remove his protection from the temple. He is going to leave it. He's going to give it over for the overspreading of abominations. And he is going to make it desolate. And that's exactly what that's exactly what happened. And that determined what's determined the 70 weeks that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So everything that we have read in this chapter has been about judgment on Jerusalem. It has been about judgment on the things of the temple. And the Bible is very clear. God does this. God judges them. God is bringing these things on him. This is this is judgment from God on Jerusalem and these things came and were finished by 70 AD. And so I know that brings up some questions, but it was very important that we show context, that we go through verses 1 through 23 so you could see clearly that Daniel is praying to God because God is going is God is bringing judgment on them. God and uh, he wants God to show mercy on them. But the angel tells him these things are determined and God is going to bring these things upon you. These judgments are going to come and I show you all that too to show you this is this is not about global events. This is not about the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven vials. 
Yet everybody, when they want to begin their teaching on end times, they always start with Daniel's 70th week. Why? Because Larkin put all these future events into a seven-year period, and everybody everybody needs to prove that seven-year period that's to come. And I'm not saying there's not a seven-year period that's to come. I, I, I there very well could be. I'm not dogmatic about it, but I'm saying I say all this to to say we're going to see later too when we get to the seals. There's no timeline given on those things. But everybody insists those things are in Daniel's 70th week. Well, are you sure? Because those things are coming on all the on all the world. What we're talking about here is about Jerusalem. Why are we make why are we going to Daniel 9, a very specific prophecy about judgment on Jerusalem and making it about global events? And, and I know some of the reasons that people do, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about more of those things. But what you need to get from from this is you need to now understand, hopefully you understand what the desolations of Jerusalem are. The desolations of Jerusalem is basically 490 years of God's judgment on their city, on the holy people, and on the temple. And there is absolutely no reason to believe that God did not finish that judgment. God did finish that judgment that was on Jerusalem. For sure God finished it. And if that causes questions, I get that. That causes all kinds of questions to pop up. Leave those questions in the comment section. Email them to me at the Spirit of Liberty or the Spirit of Prophecy 1611 at gmail.com. And I do intend on Friday to cover those. So hopefully this was a help to you. And hopefully you've been challenged. And hopefully you'll start reading the whole chapter instead of just the last three verses. And it will make a huge difference. So God bless you. Thank you for watching this. We'll see you all tomorrow.